G'day community and welcome to the Jock Reynolds Supercoach Podcast. I am Lick Dog and I'm joined by one of the best in the biz, Geelong Addy's own Matt Forrest. Foz Daddy, how are you? I'm great, Lick. Thanks for having me on. It's been uh, it's been a long time. No, mate, it's it's good to have you on. It's not that many podcasts left, so we need to we needed to hear from your beautiful self again. One of the more now, I don't know how you're going this year, but historically one of the better performing uh, advice givers on the platform so how are you traveling how have you seen the season so far it's been a uh, it's been an interesting ride it hasn't gone it hasn't all been smooth sailing there are some line ball calls i made early in the year or, or pre-season that have not gone my way unfortunately um but i'm sitting i think around the seven thousand eight thousand mark at the moment um sort of been loitering in that area for a little while, sort of up and down between there and about 12,000. So I just can't get my run right. Um, but hopefully in the next sort of eight or nine weeks, I've got a few more trades than it seems than everyone else seems to have. So hopefully I can make a bit of an assault on the top sort of 5,000. But unfortunately, I don't think I'm going to get much higher than that. Well, trades are going to be a premium currency coming home. As you pointed out, a lot of people struggling with them. Harold Sun's very own Tim Mitchell. I think he's down to one left for the year, and he's he's sort of just outside the top thousand, having a very good season. But one trade scares me. Uh, I'm still running with six, which I, I every week that goes by where I have six feels a little bit better. So uh, there's not going to be heaps to talk about really, because a lot of people out there don't have trades. Foz. Yeah, I've got. I think I've got seven left, and I'll, I'll probably use two this week. Um, which will put me down to five, but uh, as you said, it's um, it's a scary prospect going into the last even two months of the season with maybe one trade in in change to to in case there's an injury. I, I, that's what they'll be banking on is to go really clean from here, and um, I guess that's what I'm hoping for is that players start falling by the wayside, and I've got trades to change my team if need be, and and other people don't. So hopefully that's where I can make my moves. Yep, well, we've got eight rounds left, Supercoach community. You're all aware of that. It's a slightly longer year, which means I think people are completing their teams a little earlier than in the past. They're scoring a lot higher than probably previously. The extra boosts and extra trades have helped that. But, Foz, there's still eight weeks left. It's a longer season, and if you're going in with minimal trades, we've got to be really careful about how we use them. So... I mean, my blanket rule for advice around this time of year is get rookies off field if you've got ample trades. And if you don't, we're focusing on sort of fixing injuries. I saw a couple of people, and I suggested as well a couple of weeks ago to get rid of Paddy Cripps. He's come back. He's turned up twice in a row. They can bite you in the ass if you use one of your trades on a guy like that. So I think we're pretty much looking at injury trades or trying to kill, get rid of dead rookies. We've got a few on the bubble this week, though, Foz, which is nice. Yeah, we do. I, I agree with you in terms of the, those play movements. I think if you've got th- so three trades or less at this point, you can't really afford to be trying to upgrade players. I'd almost say you've got to hold 
you got to have three trades for the run home just in case you do pick up injuries because the last thing you want is for you know someone to go down with a season ender and you've got you know to field a you know a Millican in the back line or even like a, I know George Wardlaw and Matt Johnson have been serviceable um, recently but you know they're rookies and they're, they're young guys who might you know fall out of the team as well so you just never know how you really how the, the last couple of months are going to turn out. So it's, it's important to hold on to those trades if you've got you know, three or less, I'd say, from here on out. Yeah, I think it's really important. Whether you're playing for rank or for, for league, coming into finals, you're going to need those trades to cover injuries. But importantly, we don't really want rookies on the field. Yeah, I know Lewis, as you pointed out, Lewis Malikin had 85 on the weekend, which is nice. And it's, you know, he outscored Will Day, which is awesome. But I don't think he's going to do that too much on the run home. I think the focus very much, yeah, using him very strategically. So if you're playing for a league, you'll know what your opponents have. You've got to set up to beat them. But I think, I mean, we're, score, we're seeing scores of 2,600 regularly now, Foz. So you've got to maximise. You've got to maximise those on-field players. And it's going to be hard with minimal trades. But, yeah, anyway, if you're playing for league, I think you can hold your trades until you desperately need them in the finals. And, yeah, if you're playing for rank and you've got no minimal trades left, good luck to you. Uh, let's just bank on on depth from the bench. I will say, Foz, you mentioned him. Malikin, Weddle, Seamus Mitchell, those sort of guys have been really serviceable uh, the last few weeks. And Wardlaw and Johnson have been okay as well. So they, they're great to have on the bench. We probably don't want them on the field. Yeah, I agree. I think another one that you failed to mention is Angus Sheldrick, who I, th- I know is one of your favourites. Um, he and he's uh, it's a couple of tons now, a couple of good scores playing through that midfield. And especially with Callum Mills still coming back from that injury and, and Chad Warner out of the side for potentially up to a month, I think there's definitely room for him to, to stay in that midfield rotation for a little bit longer. Um, and him having that mid-forward swing as well probably adds a little bit more value to being able to hold on to him and and not so much worry about his price rises, but just try and get maximise the scoring if you have to do if you have to end up fielding a, a rookie somewhere. Yeah, I think I think that's a good shout. We're probably beyond worrying about price rises at this point in the year, and I think flexibility is really important as well. That mid forward for Sheldrick's important. Alex Chincotta, who only scored thirty two, which highlights the the risk of having a rookie on field. He still has that defence mid eligibility and and seems to be playing best 22 footy so he provides some value on the bench there as well and that's probably the risk foz with a guy like a johnson or a wardlaw or you know maybe even a malikin that they're single position only so if they do get dropped it's very hard to move them around and, and fill holes without those dpps yeah, it is, and, and obviously that's something to worry about. I think that's why there there will be added value in holding guys. Like even if Sheldrick was only scoring on average sixty each week at the moment and not playing that midfield role, if he was getting games, I'd still be more likely to hold on to him going deeper into the season and trading out someone like a Wardlaw who might score more, just because you know if you know, one of the guys gets injured in the midfield, you can swing him into the midfield and, and fill him with Sheldrick and. And then you can swing him back into the forward line if someone goes out there. So it does give you that added flexibility. And and as you said, at this point of the season, when you're not so much worried about the money and you've got these guys on the bench, I'd rather have the DPPs, you know, one or ideally one across every line to be able to swing every which way. Um, and obviously, a, another one throws throwing in there is in the rucks, which we don't really have many DPP guys. But 
that I guess that's the value of having someone like a Darcy Cameron, even though he hasn't scored outstandingly well since coming back from injury. Yeah, I think you're right. I think sometimes while we want to maximize points on the field, if you are running pseudo premiums, we'll call Darcy Cameron a pseudo premium, the, the flexibility and cover probably outweighs the actual point production a little bit. Like I'd rather a Darcy Cameron scoring 90 than a, I don't know, insert random forward scoring 100 just because of that extra flexibility. Because if, you know, one of your Ruckman goes down, you've got that cover. I think we've seen the value in that. A lot of people are tra- trading in 102K rookies this week. Tyrell Dewar, uh, Josh Bennett, they're both DPPs. And people are actually trading in zeros just for the DPP. But the good news for us is there's quite a few cash cows this week that have DPP flexibility. Now, they're not all bargain basement players, but let's talk about them. The first two with the, the highest projected price changes Lockie Fogarty and David Cunningham. 167400 for Fogarty mid-forward Carlton player. David Cunningham, also mid-forward, $163,800, scored 99 and 97 respectively on the weekend. Both projected to jump about 50K. I've got some thoughts on both of them, but I'm interested to see what you have to say on either of these guys. Uh, I guess you're probably more the expert than I am, being the Carlton man and, and talking about their, I guess, security in the side because when you're spending that sort of money, you don't really want to be bringing in someone who might play two weeks, be a sub one of them and then get dropped out of the team. So you, you probably have a better idea than I do. Um, but in saying that, I, I mean, similar to what you're talking about with Dewar and Bennett's being two of the most traded in plays this week. I personally am looking for to spend as little money as possible on my bench at this point of the season because I want to maximise um, a potential upgrade. And if you know saving an extra sixty grand gets me from you know uh, a premium who might score one hundred and ten every now and again to a bona fide star who's going to score one hundred and twenty every now and again, like that extra ten points for the sixty k um, in the run home is going to be you know, ultimately pretty big. So um, I'm personally against spending more than sort of 123K um, on rookies. I I had to spend um, a bit of extra coin on Jasper Fletcher last week really reluctantly, but that was mainly to get Sheldrick into my forward line. I didn't have the DPP swing that I wanted. Um, And Marich at that point wasn't playing on field. Um, He he was looking like he was going to be the sub. So... um, I needed to to bring him in, but I was really against spending 150k on him. Um, just like I am against, in, in my theory, bringing in a Fogarty or a, a Cunningham for sort of the elevated price. Yeah, look, I think you're probably spot on. To be honest, uh, they're going to be very popular trade-ins this week. When I do the cheat sheet on, uh, I'm assuming we have a Thursday game this week. I haven't we even certainly checked. do. It's the worst. It makes it very hard to oh, do the cheat sheet. We can argue about, about this all the time. I love a Thursday <laughs> night. I want Thursday night every round. I will love Thursday night football when I'm not making a cheat sheet between team drop and bounce. It's 2024 uh, for you, baby. 2024, I might become a Thursday night footballer. <laughs> But these guys will go into that on Thursday as orange. And orange means basically, yes, they're on the bubble. There's some huge risk with these guys. They've both shown they can score. And actually, Fogarty once scored like 160-something against Fremantle, who he plays this week, which is crazy. But he's not a lock for the best 22. Right now, he's in the best 22, and his tackling pressure has been immense over the last two weeks. He's earned his way into the team, and he's, he's been really solid. 
But you can't bank on him being there all year, particularly when guys like Motlop and whatever are kicking five goals in in the reserves. Um, and David Cunningham, we know we know the story of David Cunningham. He's actually probably a bit of a missing piece for the Blues, but two games in three years, that's alarm bells, and I'm not going to be spending 163k on a guy that misses football regularly, like regularly. It's only the eighth time or fifth time or something like that that the all of the draft picks from 2015 for the Blues played in one game, and that's largely because Cunningham hasn't been fit for three years. So they are options. I like having warm bodies on in my team, and I'm happy to pay a little bit more for warm bodies. But at this stage in the season and knowing the security, job security and health security these guys have, I, I'm going to be giving them a miss despite their very high scores on the weekend. I think that's a sensible approach from you, Lee. We do have a few other options that we consider. We'll talk about – there's been some confirmed debutants. We'll touch on them after. Uh, just just looking at the the other cash cows, like Jasper Fletcher at over 200K is way too much, isn't he, Foz? I wouldn't be bringing him in now. I think if you were going to bring him in, and as I said before, I didn't like doing it, uh, but it had to be last week. I, I agree. Ryan Marichit, 140K. He scored 76 last week, break-even negative 12. Is he someone you would consider at 140K? I don't hate it. I would have rather have brought him in at 102K, but I think it's not that far removed from the 123. Like I don't. He'd have to be playing this week to bring him in. Um, being just a forward as well probably makes it a bit harder to to justify spending 140K on him, especially when you're a forward for West Coast. I know that they played well against the Saints, but I don't expect that to happen every week. So... Um, if you're desperate, he's not a bad option, but I um, I wouldn't be bringing him in to uh, to fill a void there. It would have to be a to you know downgrade and an upgrade sort of situation. Yeah, I guess the benefit for any of these West Coast guys is they don't really have anyone else, but the downside is that they play for West Coast. So um, marriage was solid on the weekend given the circumstances, but yeah, for me at 140k. I can't think of a circumstance where I'm bringing him in instead of like a 102K rookie because presumably you're bringing him in at F8, which he's not going to be playing anyway and he's not generating cash. Uh, Elijah Hewitt, I'm going to say, is the same, 65 points, 160K. What about this one? Jack Williams, so he's played two games. He's a ruck forward for West Coast, $123,900. I actually traded him in uh, last week. I needed. I just needed to bring in a, a brick. I needed to downgrade bricks, and he was named. So I, I brought him in, and I fully wasn't expecting him to play a second week, but he did. If he's named a third week, does he have value? I think as a swing option, he probably has a little bit more value than someone like a, um, a Marek, if especially if you don't plan on playing him on field and just being that bench option. Because you know, worst case scenario, if you put him in at, if you have Madden at R three and have um, Williams at F8 and God forbid yeah, one of your starting rucks goes down at least you've got that ability to to net, you know, it might only be 40 points but it's still an extra 40 points that you'd, you'd have over a donut any day of the week so I guess there is value in that and it certainly falls in my threshold of that 123k priced player um, and having that eligibility to swing ruck forward probably makes him a little bit more valuable but um, I wouldn't be bringing him in if you were you're looking for someone to to play on the field and, and be a warm body. It's it's very much a case of this kid could get dropped at any stage. 
Um, all it would take would be two returning players for West Coast, really, you'd think. Like, I, I don't think there's much security in his position. No, definitely no job security, which then you can argue why wouldn't you just pay the 102K for someone else? I guess it just depends on your personal circumstances, but definitely he's coming in as a, essentially as a zero, as a cash cow. But I think at 123.9K, he's still, I'm still happy to consider that as a, as a zero or over a zero. I guess um, the question with him is, and this is one that I've asked our last two or three guests on the podcast. If you've got Kieran Briggs at R3 still, you've come out of the buys, you've you've got him, maybe you played him on field on the weekend, he scored 87. He was up at about 100 at one point and then just got scaled down, a couple of turnovers late, that sort of thing. If you've still got Kieran Briggs in your ruck mix, and the example I'll use is with him and a Wits and a Marshall or him and an English and a Marshall, what are you doing, Foz? It's a great question because I did see over the weekend that Kieran Briggs is, I think, the third highest ranked player using champion data statistics over the last like six weeks of football, which is so absurd to think. Yeah, it is a it is a confusing one with with Kieran Briggs. I just I just don't know. Um, I don't have him. I I never brought him in, so I guess there were obviously downsides to that. But I just I felt like even if he scored seventies, it was just a bit of a waste of trade. And I've been obviously been shot in the foot a little bit by not bringing him in, um, missing out on the points as well as the money, but. I'd be looking at probably trading him out and, and trying to use that cash that he has generated to bring into a you know upgrade to someone who's going to be on field for you know that sort of price and and scoring points for you because if he's going to be R three then obviously he might still go up in value a bit more but he's not going to be scoring you any points so I guess there is the you then start thinking about oh well if one of my ruckmen goes down then he can swing in and that's really good um, so uh, you've already got that problem solved but. You know, what happens if there are no injuries to rucks in, in your ruck line? So I'd be looking at cashing in on him and, and upgrading another position, especially considering we're at a point of the season where trades are at a premium. Um, and instead of, you know, it might take two trades to upgrade a, a Matt Johnson at 300K up to, a you know, another premium who you want to field at um, M8 or M7 for the rest of the year. Whereas if you trade out Briggs, it might only be the one trade and you can swing you know, Madden into your ruck line and then someone into your forward line and then you've got a spot in the midfield open for, you know, 500, 600K midfielder. So there's, there. it depends on each team, I think, but I would be looking, if I had him, I'd be looking at moving him on and trying to cash in and, and get points on the field. So I'll throw one more question at you. Same question I've asked a few people. Would you hold a, a Marshall or Wits in English over him? Because as you said, he's been the, whatever it was, the highest-ranked player for six weeks. Can he maintain that, or are you? would you prefer to back in your proven primos you've got at R1 and R2 and upgrade him to a guaranteed primo in another position? I would feel more comfortable um, holding the guys that I backed in at the start of the year. And like, and the thing is, like English has been great. Um, he's number one ruck in the competition. I think it, like there's an argument for him to be the All-Australian ruck this year as well, and I think it's probably pretty pretty strong one. Um, if you look at Rowan Marshall, he's probably been slightly underwhelming in comparison to what people had expectations at the start of the year, but he's still one of the better ruckmen in the competition. He's still averaging 108 points. And yeah, he's dropped a little bit of value in the last couple of weeks. But um, I just think that they're both proven guys who have, in the last couple of years, have really shown that they are 
the number one rucks in their team as well as sort of top five ruck prospects. I mean, they're the top two scoring rucks in the competition and the next is sort of Riley O'Brien. So if you've got those two guys, I'd be looking at sort of keeping them and, and running with them for the rest of the year. But, um, you know, if you had someone like a, I don't know, potential injury-prone player, whether it was a Sean Darcy or, you know, a Max Gorn, like you could have, there is the argument to, to keep Briggs and, and trade one of them out because um, they, there is that injury history behind them. But, um, yeah, I, personally, I'd be, I'd be looking at moving Briggs and just think more, not so much hoping for, but thinking there is a potential of regression because he is, you know, essentially a first year in a full-time number one ruck role. And players typically slow down in the in the latter part of the season when they are you know taking on the duties like that. Yeah, I think that's a fair assessment. I also think if you do hold him, like if you if you want to back him in, there's enough evidence to back him in. But I, I, my default position is exactly as you said, back in the guys that you picked ahead of time. He he's sort of just become this nice bonus, free primo. Well, not free, but uh, you know, you use two trades and you got all of a sudden got this extra primo you probably weren't planning on. Let's uh, continue chatting because Nat Fife, a lot of people, he's in 14% of teams. He was in 16% of teams when lockout lifted. He's been ruled out with a stress fracture in the foot and he's not going to be around. Many people were hoping he could be a M9 F7 cover Foz, but he's not going to be. So what do we do? Obviously, we have to trade him. Yeah, you got to get rid of him. I'd be surprised if he played um, in... Probably the run home, if Fremantle aren't in the position to make finals, I think they could put him on ice and sit him for the rest of the year, which would be terrible for um, for owners if they did just try to try and hold him, especially after the what's going on with Clayton Oliver and, and all that sort of stuff. So I'd be looking at moving him on. He, I mean, he's at that price where you can downgrade him and upgrade someone else and get a premium and fill that spot Um pretty easily if you have a couple of trades. But if you only have the one trade, then it gets a little bit more tricky with um, you know, trying to find someone around that price point. And there aren't really that many options that are scoring really well, to be honest. It, it is sort of difficult to to try and find someone. Like whether you go, I'd be looking at trying to bring in a rookie and, and upgrading, but um, yeah, 300K is not much money if you're looking for a, an M, sort of an M9 um, or, or bench option, I guess, in the forward and the midfield. Um whether it means you hold on to like a, a Sheldrick a little bit longer and see if he can continue to ride that wave. Who's, you know, he's obviously averaging 95 over the last three rounds. So he's been a pretty good option there, but it's not much money to, to try and find a like for like. No, it's not. What, you, you still need 80 odd K, a little bit more to bring in like a Callum Mills who turned up on the weekend, $404,000. He's lost 240 K since the start of the year, break even 47 since coming back from injury, had that 77 and a 106. A lot of people are going to try and get Fife up to Mills, I'd imagine. But if you don't have that, the 80K or 90K, whatever it is, it's going to be really difficult. So as you said, guys around 300K, like, I mean, if would you trade in, if it was your last trade, Foz, and you desperately said, no, I absolutely want cover, I'm going to burn my last trade on this. I need cover. I just, i got to do it for my leagues. Could you even bring in an Angus Sheldrick if you don't have him, who's somehow more expensive than that five? Oh, I mean, he's he's probably the best option, especially with 
the role that seems to be open at the Swans. I don't. I think he's played well enough in the past month or so to to lock in a position at least for the next foreseeable future. And whether that changes when Warner comes out, it comes back into the side. It will be interesting to see what his role looks like. But he's probably the most proven. And it, I mean, he's not even that proven. He's played six games this season, <laughs> but um, at that price point, he's probably the most proven. Like another one who who would be. If you can get to him at 382k, is Taron Thomas, and he's averaging 93, scored 94 on the weekend, and had another pretty good game. is is clearly in that sort of midfield rotation, and despite his off-field issues, he is quite a talented player, and um, hopefully has put that all the off-field stuff behind him. Um, I guess we'll see with time. Um, but if you've got the money, I'd be looking there. Um, because it does offer you that mid-forward swing, whereas Mills, is at the moment at least, is just a, a pure midfielder, and, and hopefully he gets defensive swing um, next week, I believe it is, but I don't think he's played enough games in the back half to, to really warrant that change. No one to watch. Uh, I don't mind that. I don't mind that option. I'm going to throw you a couple of cheaper ones at you, and these are relatively yuck names, but I'm just going to throw them out for you. And I might burst into flames for this, suggesting this first one after all the shit I've given them all year. But since coming back into the side, Sam Flanders has scored a 100 and a 119. He's uh, 304K. Obviously, he's he, this is we're talking desperation stations to replace Fife here. He's a mid-forward. Could you consider him? I haven't watched enough Gold Coast games, like the last two Gold Coast games, to know if he's legitimate playing as like a real midfielder. I, I watched a little bit of their last game. Um, he played a little bit through the midfield, but I didn't notice him enough around the ball to say that that's a permanent role. Um, but you're right. He obviously, you know, came... Played the first three games of the season. He was big in the off in, in the off season and the preseason at um, you know a cheaper sort of two hundred fifty six k, but scored poorly in the first three games. Came back in round eight, played one game, and then since as you said, since coming back into the side post by, he's he's knocked out two tons. So whether the role's there, I'm not too sure. I think Gold Coast is playing a little bit better footy. They're obviously poor against Collingwood um, at the weekend, but um, I don't know if it's a permanent sort of positional change or if it is just a flash in the pan I, like it's sort of hard to see um with such a small sample size so that's one that you know if you're a real risk taker and you want to get on him early and cheap it could be one but you know he could also turn around and he's not in the side in a couple of weeks time yeah round 15 cba percentage was 43 cba percentage in round 16 was 19 so we already saw a change there uh, and but he did predominantly spend time sort of kind of off half back it looks like looking at the heat map courtesy of dfs australia um spent a lot like played all over the ground but his heat map's really hot in the defensive half from the weekend so probably not necessarily locked into a midfield role but is is scoring well there's lots of flux with that gold coast team and i don't know is is took back yet is he about to be back it feels like we've been talking about him for months and months and months but I was just floating out a cheap option. I've got a couple more names for you that we can probably quickly cross off as no's, but I'll, I'll just throw them out there. Andrew Gaff, mate, superstar, $298,000. Remember when he used to average 100 every year? Yeah, I um, I am so against Andrew Gaff as a footballer. I've, I think I've publicly said I think he's probably the worst you know, veteran footballer in the game at the moment. I'm just – you and we play in a – just to – 
sort of add in the community. We play in a keeper league together, and I've had Andrew Gaff on my list for the last three years. I reckon I had the chance to trade trade him a few years ago, and I just didn't pull the trigger. And then now he's I'd almost rather delist him than try and trade him off to someone else. It's it's that sad of a decline. But I wouldn't be bringing him in. I don't care if he scored well in an almost win against St Kilda. He's been absolutely he didn't even atrocious. score that well. What did yeah. he get? What did he get on the weekend? Eighty five or something like that. Yeah, not good. He he's been so bad this year. Um, I wouldn't be touching him with a, a hundred foot pole. No, and I'm going to apply those sentiments to another similarly priced guy in Jade Gresham. He scored 94 on the weekend against West Coast, playing for a free agency contract. The Blues will inevitably overpay for him and bring him in, and then he'll be injured for three years. But certainly, don't go near him. But uh, you know, that's he's playing for a free agency contract. Maybe that is the reason to bring him in. Yeah, but he's also scored 29 two weeks ago and 53 last week. Like he's just. He's just not that good. He's just not that. <laughs> I just don't He's understand all... how Carlton's going to pay for him when they're paying everyone else on their list at least a million dollars a year. But oh, that's, mate, they're know, going to cut else. about 10 players this season. Don't worry about that. Uh, so, yes, Nat Fife, very difficult to replace. I think Angus Sheldrick is probably the number one option that we listed around that similar price. There is someone who we haven't mentioned, and he's one of Damo's favourites. Small oh. forward turned defender. Um, at least in the last couple of weeks that I've noticed, where if he's not playing defence, then that's um, then that's just bad on me. But I feel like I've seen him in the back half a lot in the last couple of weeks, and that's Liam Henry. Ooh, Liam pumped Henry out, pumped out 102 mid forward, 329k. Um, but he's pumped out in the last three weeks. I feel like there has been a, a specific move to the back line because I've just seen him there way too much to the point where I'm like. What's going on with Brandon Walker? Because he, I thought he was going to fill that role um, of like a small defender. But he's in the last three weeks, he's gone 80, 103, and 102. And he's in 2.6% of teams. Um, and yeah, relatively cheap, almost a straight swap for, um, for Fifey. So um, I don't know if that's... Um, I guess that's one to ask Damo on, uh, on the mailbag. But um, yeah, he's one that's uh, for some reason is scoring well. He hadn't scored... A near 80 since round one where he did score an 83 and since then he's been his other top score had been 54 against North in round two so might be something there might not be but um yeah I'll have to uh might be one to watch I guess in the next week or two yeah so heat map just looking at his heat map for the last two games looks like he's playing sort of that wing sweeper defense role based well it might not be a, a sweeper role but the wing that plays on the defensive side of the ground so uh has certainly led to score he's getting one uh, about one point per minute over the last three games, which is a really good return for him. Also, his name is floating around in trade scuttlebutt in real football, so uh, maybe they're upping his value there. I don't mind that as an option. Hmm. Let's quickly wrap this up. Well, first, I'll just touch on a couple of primos that people are looking at this week, uh, and then we can talk about this. A few debutants. Maybe your boy Mullen from Geelong might make a return, but... These are the guys making headlines. Ben Keyes continues to be really good in this uh, not permanent forward role. Another 120 from the weekend. He's now 500K. You could have got him for 300K a few weeks ago, but still prevents some value, presents some value. Dan Houston, the man who kicked the goal after the siren against Essen and won 56 points. He's been one of the best. He's been almost the best defender this year at 558K. He's still affordable and his price is going to skyrocket. Break even negative 33. Uh, there's a few other players that are 
sort of 600k plus i don't really want to focus on them they're your zach merits and your christian petrarchas and stuff but another one caleb sarong it's been really good this year slowed down a little bit in in the middle there there was some concerns over an injury but returned to really good form against the bulldogs with 38 disposals seven tackles and 138 points and he is at the relatively cheap price of 560k so you have any other primos sort of floating around that are catching your eye for Oh, uh, I mean, I think Sarong is one that is, at this point of the year, you don't really want to be bringing in a 600K player. Even if, you know, a Clayton Oliver comes back, no one's really going to be looking to trade him in because they're just too expensive at this point. But, you know, if you look at Darcy Parrish's one, 131, he's a couple of games back from his injury, um, was playing well before he got injured and he obviously missed, I think it was five games in the end. But um, he's at 572K and scored 131. Um, seems to be a little bit more damaging um, this season rather than just being a complete accumulator. Um, obviously, all the eyes are on Zach Merritt and how he's playing at the moment, and, and rightly so. Um, so that one might slide a little bit under the radar. He's only owned by 1.8%, so it would be a real pod there if you could get him. Um, even someone like a... I don't love the pick of Jack Viney, but... He's averaging 119.7 over the last three games, um, pumped out of 127 in his 532K. So um, presents some value. I haven't watched enough Melbourne in the last few weeks to um, see if there's, you know, he's playing that sort of Clayton Oliver role. It could well be tied to the fact that Oliver's out of the side at the moment. And, and that's the reason why he's just getting more inside ball. But um, he's just another one to note if Clary continues to miss games. He does have sneaky, sneaky purple patches, Viney. Uh, Sean Darcy's sub 500k. I don't think many people are looking at Ruckman. I love your Parish suggestion. And then LDU, who uh, scored 94 on the weekend in his first game back from a, a long stint on the sidelines. You can get him $494,000 with a break even to 65. And I really like him as a potential option, has huge upside. Obviously, he's played through a couple of injuries this year, so if you're looking for security and guys that are, you know are going to be available for you, he might not be the option. And then probably one more I'm looking at. If like I'm a Will Day owner, I'm not sure. I'm not sure if it's real. I'm not sure if it's not real. He's been up and down. A Sam Doherty to me is like a very attractive option as a luxury trade. He's had what's that four or five tons in the last six or seven games, um, and it's just Carlton are playing a little bit better, and he's playing a lot freer, which is uh, which is good for footy. Certainly, it's good for footy. We love that. Now, you're the expert on debutantes and inside scoops from down Geelong way. So we know Richmond have a couple of debutantes. Can you let us know who they are and, and what's going on with, uh, I don't even know how to say his name, uh, Mullen from Geelong. How do you say that? It's Oshin. So it's Oshin. Like, it's not it's Ocean. O, it's not Ocean. It's not Oshin either. It's like Oshin, like uh, almost like Oshin. Oshin. Um, yeah, it's an interesting one. Um, rip it, kid. He... Um, He's back. He's, he's training fully with the group at the moment. Um, whether they've got a spot for him this week, I would be surprised if he's not named. I think that, especially with Zach Tui passing the Jim Stein's record this week against North Melbourne, I reckon they'll try and get a couple of extra Irish guys on the field, especially with Mark O'Connor unlikely to play, um, just for the, the narrative more than anything. But he's 102K as a defender. Um, the Cats love him. Um, they're big, big raps on him. Um, I don't think his job security is awesome, but um, I would be surprised if he didn't play for him here to the end of the season. I think he'll still get 
at least three or four more games to try and push his development through a little bit. Um, but yeah, a couple of confirmed debutants at the at uh, the Tigers for um, for Thursday night's game um, against Sydney. So there's um, Sam Banks, the rebounding defender, will probably play in the Jaden Short role, um, averaging I think 19 touches so far in the VFL this season. Um, he'll be I think relatively super coach relevant if he can stay in the side. Um, he's been pretty good recently. The Tasmanian. Um, 20, I think he's 20 years old because he's, he's been on the list a couple of years now, but he's been emergency a lot. So it's good to see him debut. The other one's Jacob Bauer, um, who will also play on Thursday night. Um, he was picked in the mid-season draft uh, last year. Um, and he was, he's was he been the hero in the VFL the last couple of oh, couple of times this season. So he kicked the winning, winning goal after the siren on the weekend. Um, he had 21 touches, 11 marks, and three goals. Um, and he also kicked a, a winning goal after the siren in round 11 against GWS. So um, good to see him getting a crack as well as another mid-season draft pick. So he'll be relatively cheap as well, but I don't think he'll be as super coach friendly because he'll end up being, so I think a, like a Jack Gunston type of, you know, third key tall forward um, if they play Dusty Ford, but probably a second behind um, sort of a Jack Rewalt. Um so, yeah, just another one to, to throw in there. Um, they're two confirmed locks to uh, apparently start on field, um, but I only think that the uh, Banksy will be uh, super coach relevant for this week at least. We've also got Cooper Harvey, 20 disposals, five goals on the weekend, seems likely to debut, and for the 100th week in a row, Jackson Binns has to be in consideration for the Blues. Of those guys you listed, Foz, if you... To if to accommodate upgrading to a primo, and you have to pick pick them in order of most likely to be a, a good pick uh, as the downgrade option. Who would you take? Oh, if uh, are all playing? Uh, is that the game that we're playing? Let's that... let's assume they are all playing, and I'd... you need to pick you need to pick the ones that are going to provide the most help of, on the run home. I'd say machine. Mullen uh, would be number one just because he is so cheap at 102k. Um, I'd probably throw in probably a Jackson Bins second if he does debut just because I just don't see this job security with the Richmond players long term. I think they'll play a couple games, but I don't think they'll hang around for too long. Um, another one that we failed to mention that I, he's probably a bit too expensive for this point of the season, season but... Elijah Sardis will uh, probably debut for Essendon, if not this week, in the next week or two. He's dominating the VFL. He had another 30 touches and was best on. Uh, for the Bombers, so he'll likely get a run probably this week, but I think it's probably too late in the season to be bringing in a 190K rookie. Mm. Um, just in time to ruin his value for exactly next year right. as well. Exactly which right. Is, which is just, we love that. This is when you start seeing debuts at this stage of the year. We we love that as super coaches because it means we're stuffed next year. Uh, would love to see Charters just come on as a sub for a couple of games. Score 30, really push that average down for next year and then we'll uh, get him nice and cheap. Do what a Harvey Harris. Well, I think that covers it all. Uh, Foz, thank you for joining me. Thank you for all the contributions you've made to the to the site and to the the work we do with Herald Sun over the years. And uh, and make sure you follow Foz on Twitter. He got has all the scoops from down in Geelong. Uh, what is his Foz seems to have disconnected, so I'm going to keep vamping his. Twitter account is at Matt Forrest, M-A-T-T-F-O-R-R-E-S-T-29 on 
Twitter. Foz, you're back. I was just plugging your Twitter account. Thank you. You're a good man. Yes, my internet decided to die right as you were signing off, but it's uh, good to be back. Now, mate, thanks for joining us. Thanks for everything you do. You're a wonderful human being. Make sure you throw follow him on uh, on Twitter. What was it? What was the news that got you that that massive boost in followers again? Oh, <laughs> I love that we're plugging this. Um, I was the um, I wouldn't say the newsbreaker behind it, but um, when Alistair Clark, when Essendon sacked their um, sacked the coach and sacked the board last year, and everyone started jumping on the um, Alistair Clarkson to Essendon bandwagon. Um, I conferred with my source um, sources actually, and there was one source that was very adamant that he'd he'd signed a contract at North Melbourne. So I ran with that, and um, I think I was the only journal, at least in Victoria, to uh, to run with it correctly, which was nice. Beautiful, and some of the responses there. It's your pin tweet. I'm just looking at some of the responses <laughs> are fantastic. God, so people hated she- me for that. Yes. Make sure you jump on Foz's uh, Twitter at Matt Forrest double T double R twenty nine. I hope that's at Matt Forrest twenty nine double T double R. That absolutely, it's <laughs> a better way of saying it. <laughs> absolutely correct. And no one, and you never, you got to ask. I'll, I'll, I'll give you a hint. Ask me what the twenty nine stands for. What does the twenty nine stand for? Oh, of course, it stands for when I came twenty ninth in Supercoach a few years ago. <laughs> Amazing, and that's the sort of. Beautiful insight we get (laughs) on the Drock and Supercoach podcast. Thank you, my friend. Thank you, sir.